Today on the MyCom Church Marketing Podcast, we're talking about community listening. We are passionate about helping churches like yours get to know your communities so that you can speak life into them and the power of the Spirit with the tools and techniques that the Lord has blessed us with. I'm John Watson, and this is our neighborhood marketing man, Darby Jones. Hi there. Now, community listening may very well be a new concept for some of you. It was kind of new to me when I heard it. At least I'd never heard that phrase put on this idea before, but I think it's really helpful. So why does community listening matter? Why do we need to talk about this? Well, here's why. Foremost in my mind, it's empathy building. So imagine you open up a textbook, maybe a history book, and you read about St. Peter's Basilica, and you hear about Michelangelo and just the splendor of this structure. In 20 years, if I ask you to tell me anything about St. Peter's Basilica, you probably will not be able to. Now imagine you take a vacation, and you go and you walk through the cathedral. That memory will never leave you. And that's the difference between building empathy and just, you know, learning about something in a heady sort of a way. So when you walk through the streets of your community and you shake hands and you listen to people's stories, you hear where they're coming from, you hear what excites them, what they're passionate about, that builds empathy for your community more than reading a statistics report or something like that. Now, they're both valid and helpful, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But it's incredibly important to connect words with experience. You can read about poverty, but you're not going to understand it, the full effect it has on a community until you see it, until you speak with somebody struggling under the weight of poverty. When I went to Mexico, it was so cool to see people in just complete poverty, but yet them offering you their best. Mm -hmm. um, they would go for weeks without eating meat or any kind of specialties, but you go there, they invite you into their house, and they just give you all these things that they would not normally have for themselves and and just have joy in, yeah. in doing so. And like you said, you can read statistics all day, but until you go mm -hmm. into somebody's house and experience that and see their joy, right. you're not going to have those pr profound revelations. Well, and going through suffering like poverty, um, drug-related addiction, abuse, divorce, all of these things, they bring with it in a community suffering and joy. There is a blessing that can be found in these things. And you know, you just touched on it, the, the pleasure of hospitality that you can find in the midst of poverty. And I think we over-focus on filling that deficit and not focus on what do you have to offer? What, what good things are happening in your life or in your heart? But again, we'll talk more about that later. So another reason why community listening really matters is it's just practical. You may have been in your needs-based programs in your church. You may have been trying to address the needs of the loudest, not necessarily of the majority, right? So when you start to really meet people and you start to connect to the connectors in your community, you start to get a fuller picture of not just who, who speaks the loudest, but of maybe the, the quieter. There are some people in a, you see this in small groups, right? You, you might have a group of 15 people for your church small group, and there's a couple people who just want to harp on an issue all the time. Well, you may start to think of your whole small group as passionate about this thing, and you might find the other 13 people don't care about that at all, but have a totally different need that they don't feel like they have the place to voice. 
So you get that same experience when you start to connect with your community. It also gives you a lot of steps that you may not have thought of on how to love these neighbors better. So, for instance, listening to the community's conversation around past church hurts led one Nashville church to develop a particular time of sharing and safety before their Sunday service. They, they created a, a safe place, a non-judgmental place, where they, they explain what they're doing and why they're doing it, and they just welcome you with just the heart of Jesus into this time. They listened well. They heard a wound that was common in their community. And they took a step to address it that they wouldn't have thought of, most likely, if they hadn't been listening in that way. And, you know, there's a lot of, um, in a lot of urban centers right now, there's just a host of people working remotely. It's just very trendy to shed the shackles of the office, so to speak, and work from home, from coffee shops, whatever. Well, what about churches who listen to the needs of the business community, even? What if you used your space during the week as a co-working space where remote workers could come and share their talents together, collaborate together on their entrepreneurial endeavors. There are a lot of opportunities that if you just put out some feelers into the community, you're going to hear about to do things that never would have occurred to you otherwise. So another reason community listening is so crucial is that it hones your marketing and communications. From episode one of this podcast on, I don't think there's been a podcast episode where we haven't talked about your audience. Your audience are the people that you talk to. It's the whole point of messaging, speaking into the void is meaningless. Speaking to a person has real meaning. So your audience as a church at its most fundamental level are the people in your community. So who are they? What are they like? What are they good at? What do they want to be good at? How can they be reached? So that begs the question though, what sorts of things are you listening for? You can't very well go around asking those, what, five questions? So who are you? What do you like? What are you good at? What do you want to be good at? How can you be reached? <laughs> that doesn't make a lot of sense. It has to be a little bit more organic. But you have to have an idea of, of what you're tuning into before you can receive anything. So the default stance of most churches is to listen for needs. There's nothing wrong with that. It's important. True religion is this, right? That's what James said, is to take care of the widows and orphans, the needy ones in your communities. So we listen. What do you need that we can give you or do for you? So out of that is born um, programs to collect food, you know, food drives, clothing drives in the winter, blankets, those sorts of things, donating money, gift cards to grocery stores for people who swing by the church, after-school programs, child care. These are all really wonderful things, and they bless our communities truly. But we might be able to go a little bit deeper, and I think we can – Look back at Reverend Mather's example with Diamond at Broadway UMC as a really good example. So they listen for desires. What do the people in your community want out of life? What sorts of things do they love? What, what are they pursuing? They also listen for talents and gifts. They actually go out and observe and specifically ask, what are you good at? What's something that you're so good at that you could teach somebody to do right now? Then they think, okay, this person's a phenomenal mechanic. How can we plug them into their community and into our church through serving and, and giving that gift to somebody else who does have a need? So instead of the church being this need-fulfilling entity, this organization, 
they foster life and they foster community and interconnection. Oh, it's such a vital picture of the church. That's what we were intended to be, I think. So ask yourself as a church, can we be a resource of helping people get job training to start new careers, to start new jobs, to learn, pick up skills or even hobbies that they love? Can we foster friendships? I think this is so important. Broadway UMC and their roving listeners have brought a real vibrancy to their community through these humanizing endeavors to be good, caring neighbors. To be a church which sees people made in the image of God, not projects to be fixed and dismissed. It's a beautiful thing, and it, it's beautiful to hear of people being connected through the church to others who share their passions and who can benefit each other with their gifts. Friendships are formed, vocations are discovered, and, and the church begins to have, honestly, a, a level of trust and respect in the community that they couldn't otherwise have. They opened a door to speak life into the community through love. I spoke with Reverend Mather earlier this week on the phone. He was gracious enough to answer some questions and just tell me a bit more of their story. And he was quick to caution me against blind replication. Someone close to him once asked him for the job description of the roving listener so that they could implement the same model in their church. He said, no way, not happening. And I, I applaud him for being consistent with his conviction in this concept. He takes it all the way down because there's kind of an inherent irony to taking a custom-built piece of furniture to fit in your house, taking that exact same plan and trying to fit it in someone else's house that's a different size and a different shape. It's not going to fit well. It's not going to be custom fit. He said if we resonate with the concept, we'd do better to start by looking at our particular community and finding out what is the particular way that we can meet them where they're at, listen to them, and ennoble them with grace and honor. It sounds like this worked because the roving listener was incredibly passionate yeah. about what he was doing beforehand. So if you created a job description, people who interview may be more passionate about finding a job than anything else. So maybe this is a type of position that you really have to seek out. You have to listen to your community and find people who are already activists, already doing amazing things for the community and approach them to see if they'd like to help. That's right. I think the key here is Diamon was already doing it. And what Reverend Mather did with the help of that organization was empower him to do that even better. And they added meaning and value to this wonderful thing that Diamon was doing. So really, you've got to start with the people in your smallest community. So if you're a part of a church in a little community or a big community, it really doesn't matter. Uh, Broadway UMC is in Indianapolis, so it's an urban church environment. But I think this model will scale depending on how you want to implement it. If you've got a, a church community, you look at the people right in your circle and you say, who are the connectors? Who are the networkers? Who are the people with their ears already to the pavement in this community? Because if you can identify three or five of them, they might be able to identify three or five more people like that each. And this can just ripple out through your whole community. I like to picture these people like icebergs. They're one person, but they're connected to this yeah. vast network underneath Absolutely. the surface that you don't see at first. Um, so these are the types of people that you need to start connecting with in your church. Yeah, for sure. We actually have an article in my com called Questioning Charity, Redefining the Role of the Church. And uh, just read a short little passage. It says... 
even with the increase in mission and outreach programs, many churches have failed to see a decline in the problems they seek to eradicate. In many cases, not only have the problems such as homelessness and hunger not been resolved, they've actually gotten worse. At best, churches are sometimes treating the symptoms. And there's actually a term for this. It's called pathological altruism. And it's, it's where you attempt to promote the welfare of others, but instead the results are unanticipated harm. Mm. So it's not just providing welfare for people, for people, but matching that with inspiration right. to live by. And, and like you said before, um, inspiring people to give back to the community. Right. I had a, a missionary friend share a story with me once about he was organizing a, a massive relief effort for this group of survivors and refugees after a disaster. And I think it was somewhere in Africa. I don't remember exactly where. And the American churches affiliated with his organization were sending all sorts of food and hygiene supplies and clothing and everything that they thought would be helpful. And so my friend went back to the little shelter community that that they had built and put up. And he was asking some of the survivors there, um, how are these things meeting your needs? And they said, oh, it's wonderful. We're so thankful for the generosity of the, of the American church. But, you know, this this yellow soap just doesn't work at all. <laughs> the American churches have been sending blocks of cheddar cheese. And <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> that did not exist in this culture. They didn't <laughs> eat cheese like that at all. And so they saw it and thought soap. And it didn't help them at all. <laughs> so it came from a really good place. But listening is so important. You have to know your audience. You have to know your community. Otherwise, you might be speaking good things. You might be giving them delicious cheese. But if they're trying to wash with it, it's (laughs) it's just not going to do any good. Uh, Another example is we need to go into places that just had a, a disaster and provide disaster relief. But let's say you send dentists to a particular area that really needs help, you know, after uh, something bad has happened or or doctors. It's fine for a time, but if you keep doctors and dentists there forever, you might be discouraging people in that community from actually taking up the medical practice, studying. They're just relying on on the the dentist there and, and not pursuing it themselves. So there's, it's a fine line. You just have to know what that balance is and when Mm -hmm. to help and when to pass it on to the community. Yeah, absolutely. Some of the uh, practical steps that churches can take when they're pursuing something like this ministry of listening is first pruning your programs to grow, Mm -hmm. knowing what programs aren't being as effective and, and make some room for doing something like this in the community. Knowing when to end a ministry or program and doing it with honor and celebrate the accomplishments of those yeah, programs absolutely. so that you can come in and make room for other things. And, and we talk about this in a couple of Michael articles that I'll link to below in the description. You mentioned the pruning your programs. That reminds me of a book by Colin Marshall, I think, called The Trellis and the Vine. And the prevailing metaphor that they use in this book is that uh, your church programs are trellis and the people are the vine. And if you don't have enough trellis, your vines will have nowhere to grow and they will just fall over and they won't thrive. They won't flourish. But if you have too much trellis, 
then the whole trellis can topple over and take the vine down with it because of the weight and things not being evenly distributed. And that's always stuck with me as a vivid example, a reminder that the churches are about the people. And then if we, if we orient ourselves on making the vine healthy, then we can build the trellis to suit the vine and not focus on just the trellis. One great resource that we talked about in uh, the Questioning Charity article is called Volunteer Match. Basically, it's an organization that strengthens communities by making it easier for good people and good causes to connect. It's a place where neighbors can talk about the things that they're good at, you know, maybe they're a handyman or this or that, and also a place for people to post their needs in the community. And it's a place where activists and volunteers can unite Another MyCom article we have is called Stop Talking and Start Listening to Your Community. And in it, we encourage people to spend about 15 minutes every day listening to your community. And what that involves is using technology to search for the needs in your community. Like Google has a great service called Google Alerts. It's google.com slash alerts. And you can set alerts for your hometown and specific needs in your community. And anytime Google finds something about your hometown or those needs, they'll send you an email with that article or that blog uh, or that thing on social media talking about it. It's like having an assistant keeping their finger on the pulse of what's happening in Google. Right. It's amazing. It's automated, and you can sort of set the threshold of you know, how many updates you want. Maybe you, get, you can set it up to get a weekly digest. One thing I did was I set up a, a Google alert for my hometown, uh, New Carlisle, and Ohio and Hispanic um, because I wanted to learn about what's going on in my hometown, what the Hispanic community is doing. And um, I I found an article that was sent to my email uh, the next day. Uh, it It was called Hispanic Catholic Community Still Growing. And in that article, I learned so much about what they're doing in our town and, and, and some of their struggles and needs. It was really cool. I also found a blog called Maine and Lake, Small Town, Big Heart. And they kind of wrote like the onion. It was kind of serious, but they poke fun at some of the silly things that the city council is doing and, and really keeps you abreast of, of things that are going on. But I learned about this, this growing heroin epidemic in my hometown that, that I had no idea about. Right. It's just all sorts of things that it, it informed me on that, I, that was really beneficial that I, I plan to talk to some of my friends about when I go back. But this is something that you can use to really find out your community needs and, and just get involved. Absolutely. And if you want to get really into it, you can. I don't believe there's a limit on how many alerts you can have set up. No. I think it's pretty much endless. So you could even set up a folder or a filter in your email inbox for alerts so they don't crowd your, your main inbox. And you could have 120 Google alerts for your community. You can get really specific. And then you can just make, you know, take 15 minutes a day, your 15 minutes of listening time, and go read through that folder where you've got all those alerts going to. It's amazing what you're going to learn about your community if you try this. Yeah. So really spend time brainstorming community needs that sort of match your church's unique strengths and calling. And, and try and find those needs that your church can actually help with and uh, spend time brainstorming your audience. You know, are they job seekers? Are they singles? Are they students? And so start learning how to use Boolean logic to create these these alerts. And Boolean logic is just using words like and, or, or not mm-hmm. to filter. 
And so, you know, like I, I my, in my example, it was Nucralyle and Ohio and Hispanic. So every thing that Google comes back with is going to have all those things. Right. And, and let's say your search has a bunch of things that you, you don't want in it. You might use the word not to filter out all those yeah. those things. For instance, if you don't want to get YouTube videos, you can put New Carlisle and Ohio and Hispanic, not YouTube.com. And you won't get any results from YouTube. Right, right. And the beautiful thing about Google Alerts is it's already filtering by popularity. So the things that it suggests for you to read is that they're getting a lot of traffic. They're, they're probably pretty good content uh, because Google has deemed the content completely targeted towards your your keywords. And also a lot of people on the internet are reading it. So you're going to get some some pretty great results. Another resource that I use is called nextdoor.com. And this is just a social network like Facebook, but for people in your neighborhood and surrounding neighborhoods. And I think you have to get like 10 people in your neighborhood to join Mm -hmm. in order for your neighborhood to have a place on on the nextdoor.com site. But that's a great opportunity. If if you don't have your neighborhood on, on the site, Go meet some of your neighbors. Say, oh, yeah. hey, um, we're starting this little group. We have this place called nextdoor.com where it's really easy for us to see updates about our lives. You know, sign up and, and then you can meet your neighbors. And I've found so many great things on the site. Like I saw a post that said, please recommend who you use for outstanding work. Mm-hmm. And all these people in my neighborhood had personal stories about who they've used, yeah. people in the neighborhood that do all these this great handyman work. I found one post. It said, what is a neighborhood activist? It's you and me bringing about positive changes by using the resources within our neighborhoods in the city. Join us in this free training led by et cetera, et cetera. I promise you will walk away excited to bring the changes your neighborhood needs. Sounds like the perfect place for a church to plug in. Right. Yeah, it's just... Tailor-made. Yeah. And they have things like little sections for crime and safety, lost and found, all these things to connect you with your neighborhoods. I've been an active user on Nextdoor for about a year since we moved into our neighborhood. And we have found – well, it's not it's not annoying. It's not just another social network. They send you really helpful emails on a daily basis or you can change the frequency, I believe. So it's not like you have to frequent it like you use Facebook you're going to get email reports kind of outlining what's happening in your community for you. It's great. But we found people saying, hey, a tree is blocking our driveway that fell over during a storm. My husband's sick. Is there anyone who can come help? And uh, me and a few other guys from my church were able to go pitch in and had a wonderful conversation and connected with these people. The man is an incredible artist. His paintings are down in downtown Nashville. And it's just, it was a really amazing time. And we've returned lost dogs and met new friends. And it's been such a helpful thing that actually with the small group that I lead for my church, I basically required everyone who lives in that area to get on nextdoor.com. That was like, this is what we're doing now as a small group is we're going to monitor this. And it's been really fruitful. Awesome. Another site we've talked about before in previous podcasts is called meetup.com. It's just people with different hobbies and interests start these groups on, on meetup. And this is a great place for you to find activists that are meeting around certain community needs and just a great, great resource. So check out meetup.com. Again, you get alerts, you know, whenever someone's meeting around a a certain hobby, interest, or activity need or community need. 
Another way you can use technology to start listening is, again, to start in the smallest community that you're a part of, your church. And you can email a survey out to current members and attendees. You can ask them questions about what part of town they live in, if you want, or uh, what things they observe in their town. Or you can just ask them about themselves and their own passions, their own desires, their own gifts and talents. Chances are you probably don't know that about your own church as well as you'd like to. I know I certainly don't. And there's a MyCom article that is really helpful on this, too, called The Power of Surveys, Discover Needs and Opportunities. So we recommend that. Just go and search umcom.org for The Power of Surveys, and you'll find that. Now, you can also use your website and prompt people. Do it from the pulpit. Do it from the stage. Prompt them to go to the website and contact you or go to your Facebook page and send you a message with have them answer a question and kind of like a different sort of a survey. Or you can say, uh, give them a prompt like, what are some of the top two things that you feel anxiety about in life? And then you can really start to understand who these people are and what makes them tick. So using technology is, it's what we do. And we'd be remiss if we didn't use technology. But similarly, I think that if we stop there, we're doing ourselves and our communities a disservice. I think we need to be face-to-face. We're relational. We're made to be truly relational. So know your church. Be in their homes. Participate in small groups and in other community-building events. Events like potlucks or whatever. Uh, that's, you know, the stereotypical church event, right? The potluck. But I'm not complaining. I love potlucks. They never get old. Just don't put ketchup on the meatloaf and then put it in the oven. To me, that's just, (laughs) anyway, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I've offended you and if you like ketchup on your meatloaf cooked in. Anyway, back to the thing. (laughs) I digress. So these sorts of community building events, the whole purpose is to foster relationships. The purpose is to gather people for one church-hosted event so that then they can go out, get to know each other, and gather in smaller groups, you know, go out and actually live their lives together, be a part of daily life. You can also do specific interviews and sit-downs with key people in your church. You can identify who among your members is already doing this, who's well plugged in. You know, we've talked about this idea, finding the people who are already the connectors. But further, you know, who's attuned to a certain demographic or a certain subset of your community? Are there any leaders in minority communities represented at your church? You want to represent your community's diversity in who you're talking to and who you're listening to. Then talk about it openly. Talk about it publicly. The pastor can talk about it from the pulpit. Someone can get up during announcements and give a a weekly summary or report of something on their community. You want to be really open about this and invite people into that process. Mm -hmm. So, and and then, you know, another idea to reach out beyond your church in the kind of a face-to-face way, there are lots of local organizations, I would bet, that are looking for a great big facility to host them for community events and meetings. Uh, on nextdoor.com, I'm constantly seeing uh, neighborhood meetings about topic X and Y and Z or whatever. And there's actually a local UMC church that has opened up their doors to host a lot of these meetings. And they, they feed the people and they walk around and just engage with the people. And it's it's a really good time and they make really good spaghetti. <laughs> and Volunteer Match is another place for your church to post something like this. Your church is a place where people can meet about different things. So, Absolutely. Um, as you're doing these face-to-face meetings and talking to people, it's a good idea to start documenting that and actually capture right. that in some kind of database. So Absolutely. use 
use something like X, uh, Microsoft Access or Excel to build a database connecting skills and needs. Absolutely. And we have a, an article called Business and Faith Database Match Skills and Needs that we'll link to where you can get more ideas about how to do that. Reverend Mather likes to say, stop helping people. And he's really serious. Instead of helping or identifying your community primarily through their deficits, he commends listening, looking for abundance, and loving. And we encourage you to use the technology and the people available to you to start tuning into the conversations already happening in your community so you can be good church leaders and good neighbors. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the MyCom Church Marketing Podcast. If you've got a story to share, want to connect, say hello, we encourage you to send an email to podcast at umcom.org, and Darby and I will get right back to you. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, which I hope you have, please visit umcom.org slash mycomreview and leave us a comment, and that'll really help others find us and join the conversation. See you next time.